0: Congratulations, you're listening to Podcast Rebellion. Hello and welcome to Podcast Rebellion. This is Juco All-American joined by Whiskey Wednesday. We came to you today to talk through the NFL draft, Uh, not just what has already happened, uh, but even kind of a glimpse at what could happen next year. And we'll wrap up with uh, a top 25 prediction that came out yesterday and has people in a tizzy. Um, So first, let's actually just talk about the NFL draft that just ended. Uh, We'll kind of talk through each of the players that were taken uh, and, you know, what our thoughts are. Like, uh, so the first player off the board was Sam Williams, and I think it's remarkable to see what he did. Uh, You know, he was a five-star coming out of JUCO and didn't really live up to it uh, until, The really the end of his junior year, or I guess his first senior year, and then uh, all of his COVID senior year this past season. He was an All American and set the team sacks record. So he goes to the Cowboys in the second round. Uh, Whiskey Wednesday, what are your thoughts?
1: I think it's well-deserved. It was one of those situations where he didn't seem to get a lot of respect by, you know, people who do mock drafts. Uh, But if you have that kind of season in the SEC and you have the kind of combine that he had, like insane 40 time, uh, I mean, somebody's going to take a chance on you relatively early. There's some knock on him about... um, his performance against the run and, you know, I guess that's true, but I think that could be partially defensive scheme as well. Just like being in that three down lineman set and also, you know, being so focused on pass rush. um, I think he has some room to improve against the run, but like, like you said, I, I, I don't think, Teams are going to let a guy like that sit around for that long. A guy that was able to generate that much pass rush, often by himself, in a three-man front.
0: Yeah, and modern college football, I'm sorry, modern NFL football is very much predicated on who can stop the pass. I mean, the running game matters and everything, but if you can get to the quarterback, it kind of doesn't matter if you're not especially great at, at tackling running backs. Yeah. So he actually the the Cowboys are an interesting spot too. Uh, they have Demarcus Lawrence, who's a, a big name at defensive end, but hasn't had the hasn't been really all that productive the last couple of years. I think he was hurt last year, uh, and so he has a real opportunity. I mean, of course, you expect this of a second round pick, but an opportunity to step in and immediately start opposite DeMar- Demarcus Lawrence, and and potentially be a difference maker for that defense. You know, the Cowboys are. Uh, a good team (laughs) i know that uh, ghost of jay cutler who sometimes writes for the blog uh and co-founded it with us is a is a cowboys fan uh but you know they're they're fine it's it's nice I, i i live in texas as well so i'll be able to see him play almost every week on television which is is cool with the down the ridiculousness of the nfl TV viewership and the way that you have to live in the market to be able to see anything unless you want to pay eight bajillion
1: dollars. Yeah. Let me real quick on on, um, Sam Williams. So I kind of thought that the Cowboys ran a base three, four. I don't know why. I kind of associate the Cowboys with having like big pass rushing outside linebackers, but on ESPN, it looks like their depth chart is set to four, three. Do you know if that's the case? And if so, how does Williams project there? Is he a defensive end or an outside linebacker?
0: Yeah, they they used to run a 3-4, uh but they don't any well, I don't know I can't say. I, mean, I I think they don't anymore. Um and yeah, they're they're showing here that they run a, a base 4-3. He, he in that case, he would definitely project as a defensive end. Um as a as a pass rusher who isn't expected to have to take up take on two offensive linemen on every play so that puts him in potentially even better situation cool uh so the next name off the list is matt corral and so he went in the third round to the carolina panthers um you know i i think all of us were not super thrilled that it took so long for him to come off the board He uh, I actually had Kenny Pickett ahead of him on my on my draft board, which everyone took a lot of stock in and paid attention to. Uh, Now, I I, I thought Kenny Pickett was was a safer and uh, I guess more NFL prepared pick. But beyond that, I kind of had him as as the number two. He ended up being the fourth quarterback off the off the board. But the fourth quarterback off the board didn't come until the third round. It was just wild. That is so atypical for the NFL now.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, it's, it's really hard to look at his body of work and just look at, you know, his better games, especially when he was really healthy. But even in games where he was banged up or the receivers are hurt or he just like didn't have all his tools available one way or the other, like just the way that he guts out wins. Um, and the throws that he makes, um, it just, it really doesn't compare with Malik Willis in my opinion. And, you know, Desmond Ritter, I haven't seen much on him, but like, that kind of seemed out of nowhere as well that he would be drafted ahead of Corral. So you really wonder if there was something working against him. I guess there was that stuff that came out from, uh what Ian Rappaport right after Corral was drafted and, and who knows how much of a that was so ridiculous yeah it really was like really in poor taste and who knows if that actually made a difference to NFL front offices or if Rappaport just like was being opportunistic to you know rub an old Miss player's face in it but
0: yeah just like suddenly let's list all the flaws of a person uh which may or may not be true you know um, mm-hmm. I, I you know the the good thing for matt corral is that despite the fact that he was picked in the third round he lands with the carolina panthers who his his competition for the starting role is a dreadful sam darnold uh sam darnold's qbr actually just looked at it last season was 33 uh and the season before that it was 32.9 uh so,
1: so a higher number than that yeah
0: yeah. um everybody wants to make fun of jimmy g in the 49ers and his qbr was like 55 uh, which is markedly better than 33 now you know that's a ton of different factors that go into it and everything but anyway yeah sam darnold not super good uh and so then he also potentially uh will be he will be have his blind side blocked by uh, their their first round draft pick excuse me their first round draft pick left tackle from NC State whose name is Ikum Ikuanu, Um and is expected to be a, a huge difference maker on the offensive line of course he was the number six pick in the draft uh, and then he has DJ Moore, who's a, a strong receiving option, and Christian McCaffrey, of course, running the ball and also catching the ball. I think that there there are some interesting opportunities there. Uh, and to see Corral use his potential running and scrambling ability along with Christian McCaffrey lets them potentially do some interesting things. Um, but he's got to win that job first.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You kind of wish that he was in a situation behind a quarterback about to retire uh, instead of in a competition with uh, a guy like Darnold who, you know, was, was drafted higher than, than Corral. But I mean, you gotta think he has a pretty good chance because it's reaching the point. This will be what year three or four for Darnold. Four.
0: Yeah. And I mean, mean, he's, you know, he was traded. He was, he was a jet. Yeah. Uh, So he, um, Yeah, he was the number three overall pick, but has not put it together at all. I mean, yeah. On some level, you can't blame the guy that he didn't do especially well with the Jets and the Panthers. Uh, But at the same time, like, you want to see something.
1: Yeah. End of year three, that's about the time you feel like, you know, coaches and GMs think they know what they have in a quarterback at that point, you know? Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. yeah, I, I, mean, I think that to your point about a, a it, it'd be better to sit for a year behind someone who was who retiring and then have an opportunity to show some things in mop-up duty kind of situations. I think that a possible good outcome for Matt Corral in this, this situation is to um, start off as the backup, and as the season progresses and the Panthers end up, playing themselves out of playoff contention then he, you know, starts the last six games and is able to, you know, have used the beginning of the season to be able to get his feet under him. Yeah, I agree. All right. Next on the list, Snoop Connor, fifth round Jacksonville Jaguars, Duval. Yeah. Uh, super excited for him. I think that, it was easy and convenient. And I fell into the trap a bit as well of assuming that he had made a poor choice in declaring early and, and going ahead and and joining the draft. And I think that it would still be easy for some people to say, yeah, but he was only drafted in the fifth round, but he's a running back and the NFL with running backs. It's such a strange league. Uh, You know, that, that is a position that touches the ball all the time, but, they have tons of data that suggests that very quickly running backs are not as good as they were when they were younger and so you got to get in the league as quickly as you can and make a name for yourself there get that like the second contract is the biggest thing because the third contract is likely to just be kind of a let's bring him into a terrible team and see if he still has anything in the tank um so Snoop Connor goes to Jacksonville, where they have James Robinson, who I think is a, a very good running back, um, and uh, you know, two years ago helped me a lot in fantasy. What, what? Uh, but he, I, I think that obviously he's a fifth-round pick, so it's it's likely he'll he'll make the roster anyway. But uh, he has an opportunity to really carve out a a spot early, and you know, as as a more power back kind of player. Um, but the cool thing about Snoop Connor is that's really not all there is to his game. I mean, I think that he, he has the opportunity and, and displayed many times at will Miss that he is faster than you might expect and, you know, is able to do interesting things in space. I, I'm excited about him there.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you didn't think that, you know, or the, the thought wasn't that he was going somewhere to be a starter but, I mean, the fifth round, like you said, it's pretty good, and especially for a guy who is relatively low mileage in college and a guy who, you know, seem to get kind of lost in the shuffle at Ole Miss at times, I kind of like it for him. It's a little bit uh, vindicating, I think. Yeah. Not, you know, not to say anything ill of Lane Kiffin and the offensive staff at Ole Miss, but... Uh, there certainly could have been better situations for Snoop Connor, where he could have looked like an All-American and and didn't always get to do that at Ole Miss. So cool to see him still uh, come out of the draft in a pretty good spot. Yeah, definitely. Uh, So
0: next on the list is Chance Campbell in the sixth round, another player that going into the draft, I did not see mocks that had him picked. And I thought, man, if he had just come back for another year, I mean... He was epic on the defense, and this defense sure could have used another year of Chance Campbell. Uh, but sixth round pick, that is perfectly fine. Nothing to sneeze at. Uh, he goes to the Tennessee Titans, so a lot of listeners will be able to watch his games very frequently. Um, you know, I I don't imagine that he is penciled in as a starter. In fact, looking at the the Titans' anticipated depth chart at the moment, he's not. But he is a principal backup at linebacker um and headed into you know training camp and everything that's perfectly fine they run a three four so he does have some more you know opportunities there and uh will certainly see the field the way that that modern
1: football works uh yeah what do you think about that i mean again I think it's totally great that he got drafted i I really wish that he was back, but it, you know, again, it sort of validates his decision a little bit to get drafted because I don't know how much he had to improve. Um, And yeah, I think he's, I think he's a great player. I think he'll be a guy that that might surprise some people. So hopefully he gets that opportunity in Tennessee.
0: Yeah. Also the three, four. I mean, uh, I think everyone, including him would probably say like he, the problem he potentially faces in the NFL is that he doesn't have the straight line speed that a lot of NFL linebackers do. But the 3-4 actually allows them to do interesting stuff with assignments and, you know, working around any types of physical limitations that that may be. I mean, maybe he runs a similar system to what he did at Ole Miss, where he spies the QB a lot and rushes the passer a whole lot, especially on delayed blitzes, that sort of thing. Uh, in in which case, he's very, very good at that. Uh, next on the list in the seventh round, Mark Robinson. What a story. Uh, so the Pittsburgh Steelers select him in the seventh round. Two years ago, he was basically going to be out of football. He was a running back uh, at some directional Louisiana school. What was it? Was it c I
1: think it was C-Mo. Oh, Really? I think so. I think he was at Southeast Missouri.
0: Okay, okay. Uh, Yeah, I I should totally know that. Let me pull it up uh, while you talk about him.
1: So, I mean, obviously it's a a surprise he got drafted. And, I mean, as as well as he played and as badly as Ole Miss needed a linebacker, I I guess you just don't think of Ole Miss linebackers not named Patrick Willis getting drafted to the NFL. So it's pretty cool to have two of them in one year. Um, but yeah, Robinson played great. He unfortunately had, I think two ejections this year, one in the Louisville game where, you know, it was kind of the the breakout game for the the Ole Miss defense, you know, that they kind of suffered some setbacks before having a strong finish. But, um, so I think, you know, could have got some more looks at him throughout the year. And then I think Campbell being such a, you know, a tackle collector or, you know, whatever the term for that is. (laughs) Uh, yeah, so Robinson went to SEMO. To um, yeah, yeah, I see that.
0: Um, yeah, so for anyone who doesn't know, yeah, he was a running back at Southeast Missouri. Uh, he seemed to be out, like he was going to be just kind of quitting football and doing something else. Uh, I think he was looking for a new destination, but it kind of wasn't working out as well as he had hoped. His cousin, Otis Reese, uh, was, of course, plays for Ole Miss, and... Was like training with him and clued the uh, coaches into him, and they brought him on as a walk-on. He was, I think, that he even like entered as a running back, uh, but they quickly decided to move him to linebacker. He had to sit out uh, for a season because of dumb transfer rules that used to exist that, thank God, don't exist anymore. Uh, and was the talk of the entire team. the The defense was like. Mark Robinson, this guy. And I remember thinking, like, come on, dude. This yeah, walk-on yes. walk on linebacker who used to be a running back. This is ridiculous. And then that Louisville game, it was like, oh, oh, Mark Robinson is super good. Uh, and he just crushed people. And he's super fast. Uh, his height is the only reason that he was picked in the seventh round and not earlier. He's, he's listed at 5'11". Uh, but, gosh, he's just
1: one of those bowling ball types of players who just wrecks everybody. Yeah. And do you think that linebackers like getting drafted by the Steelers? Do you think that's a good place for linebackers? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was going to say, it's not, <laughs> they,
0: they don't have a terrible history with linebacker. Um, yeah. yeah. Should be really interesting. Uh, you know, unfortunately, seventh rounders are not guaranteed types of picks to make oh. the roster, but uh and looking at their their roster, it does look like they have a lot of linebackers. But um, they wouldn't have taken him uh, if they weren't interested in him. And so I, it'll be cool to kind of see how that shakes out. And I'd love to have him there and and see him succeed for sure. Uh, so the last draftee was Dean Leonard of the Chargers. Uh, Dean Leonard, another <laughs> weird story. Uh, he was playing for he was playing Canadian football. Uh, and transferred to Ole Miss. Uh, seemingly, it was related to COVID. Like COVID canceled the season of the of the college team he was playing for, and so he was looking for a destination and and chose Ole Miss. Uh, cornerback, and you know it. He was he started uh, a, a good chunk of the games that he played in, and was a, a very good corner, reliable. Um, but he wasn't like a standout, I mean, I, he wasn't like a standout player relative to the defense, you know? And so to see a, a player like that on, on defense be picked is so interesting because Ole Miss's defense has up until recently been so bad that in order to be even drafted, you had to just be super good. Um, and instead we see that, the scouts are paying enough attention that they're able to find a guy like this who, uh, you know, doesn't stick out in the same way.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, definitely has some measurables that are worth taking a chance on in the NFL. And, you know, I I guess scouts would say that he hasn't had, uh, enough experience playing like big, big time college football where maybe he has some upside that's, that's yet to be discovered, but, but, but yeah, you're right. He, he's a guy that was never a huge standout on defense. But sometimes that happens at cornerback. You know, if you're not yeah. an all time superstar, getting you know picks all the time, absolutely locking everybody down, there's a lot of guys kind of beneath that first tier. And you know, who knows who's going to work out and who's not. You know, who who could have said that Senquez Golson wasn't really going to make it in the NFL, but Mike Hilton was going to have a long career. In the <laughs> NFL, you know? Yeah, I mean. I Injury
0: was the was the problem there. But yeah, definitely. I, I totally understand what you're saying. Um yeah, so past that it's Undrafted Free Agents. I actually have an article on redcuprebellion.com about the undrafted free agents and their fits at uh their their locations. So uh, we're not gonna actually talk through them as much, but I'll just name them. Uh, ben Brown, Ontario Drummond, Tarekeus Tisdale, Jalen Jones, Braylon Sanders, Jerry and Ely. And Mac Brown, uh, all were invited to to camp and, and signed as undrafted free agents. So that's great. You know uh, that puts the the total number at 13 players on the team that are currently on NFL rosters, which is an awesome situation. And that actually brings us to our next topic, which is looking ahead at next year. Which players are going to be either drafted or you know do we expect to to be on NFL rosters? Um, so I have a list here and I, I know you can see the list as well. Uh, but instead of just running through all the names, let's, let's kind of talk about our expectations on, on the draft. So who would you think is the first Ole Miss
1: player drafted next year? So my best pick right now is Cedric Johnson. Um, I think so he's going is- early. Yeah. 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 Okay. Leaving, leaving early, having a big year, getting drafted, you know, maybe in the second or third round. Okay. Okay.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that he was overshadowed by Sam Williams this past year has an opportunity to really set himself apart. Uh, I think that's a, a, a good pick. And especially with the way that, um, that the the NFL values, Rushing the passer and edge players, he he definitely fits that bill. Um, so I I actually I actually would say Zach Evans. I know it's funny because I earlier in the podcast talked about how the the NFL and running backs kind of don't mix in terms of high draft picks at the moment. But uh, I have really astronomical expectations for him this year, and think that he could be a rare early pick at the at the running back position um i still i mean uh, Im- imagining him picked in the in the first round would mean that he is likely the best running back uh, in this class i don't necessarily know if that's the case so i'm not going to put him there but yeah i'd say probably second round or or so um other players that i think could go high i mean w- looking at this list it's interesting it's still skews offense uh mostly because of the offensive line jeremy james nick broker potentially even mason brooks jeremy james and nick broker almost certainties to be drafted Um, and then at wide receiver the only player i really see having much potential to be drafted i I know everyone wants to say jonathan mingo because he's projected as our number one wide receiver and he's a senior, but he's going to have to show things to me before I, I get there. Uh, so I actually think Jalen Knox is the wide receiver with the most possibility there. Um, he was injured in the spring, so we didn't see him in the spring game, but word out of camp has has just been that over the past year and a half, they've really wished that he had been able to immediately transfer instead of having to sit out because they they like what they see and think that he has a lot of potential.
1: Yeah, it's good to hear. It's definitely a group that needs some playmakers. Um, but yeah, uh, a couple of cornerbacks that that could also be drafted relatively high, higher than you know the late some of the late round guys this year. Uh, Miles Battle, DeAndre Prince, uh, Miles Battle. His size is so unique to yeah. the position, and yeah, I, I think he's really, really good. Uh, I think Me he too. has yeah. Uh, he has some upside to be the first Ole Miss player picked, I think. Uh, DeAndre Prince is just really solid. I don't think he is like a you know probably an NFL starter, but I can see him having a, a good long career if he stays healthy and stuff. He's just really solid, um doesn't appear to get really abused and has made some pretty pretty cool interceptions in his time at Ole Miss. He just he's like one of the better cornerbacks that I can remember at Ole Miss in the past, you know, 15, 20 years.
0: Yeah. And he's six feet tall. So it's not like he is, you know, small. It's just that he's not six, four, like miles battle. Miles battle is such an interesting player. I've said interesting way too many times on this podcast, but um, he, you know, he was a, a wide receiver out of high school. He moved over to corner when they thought they just needed bodies, which they did for a while and excelled. And, if you've got a 6-4 corner who can run on a go or something like that, you could take away crazy options for the offense. You know, you think about, I mean, I don't think anybody can do a great job of covering DK Metcalf, but if there were a 6-4 corner defending DK Metcalf who could run with him, I mean, that would really wreck the Seahawks. And so, uh, you know, you you, you imagine pairing him up against larger receivers, which is all the rage in the NFL. You don't find many six, four corners. And I think that he's super talented. DeAndre Prince. Yeah. I think that he's, he's very good. Uh, I think that those two will be major important glue guys to the defense next year. Um, And yeah, it'll be cool to see both of them drafted with, kind of unexpected stories i'd say right i mean Mm -hmm. dodger prince left ole miss and went to juco and then came back and immediately stepped into a starting role again miles battle was disappearing at wide receiver before being moved to corner um that'll be that'll be interesting and then i think also there's potential with uh, several safeties or you know people who could leave early if they end up having good seasons and projecting out who could potentially be sixth and seventh round picks is really hard. So, I mean, it could be, you know, anybody, I guess in that way. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, last piece, let's talk briefly about uh, Dennis Dodd. Dennis Dodd put out a top 25 for CBS sports. Uh, I will link it on redcuprebellion.com so that you can find it in in the show notes. Um, But yeah, Bottom line up front, he put Ole Miss at number 13 heading into next season. And I think that's pretty crazy. I don't know what you think.
1: I, so, obviously, it's a cop-out to have one huge caveat. Um, But I don't think it is. And I think think the reason he picked Ole Miss that high is because of the assumption that Lane Kiffin is going to find a good quarterback to put on the field. Because um, with a good quarterback, this team has a lot of potential. Um, potentially, really veteran offensive line, really talented group of running backs, um, much deeper defensive line. Uh, the secondary looks potentially really, really good. Um, there's a lot of you know pieces that will win football games, um, and you know, like the schedule sets up well. Um, there are probably two big games where Ole Miss will be an underdog in AM and Alabama. But after that, like, yeah, could be another nine or 10 win team. If we find, you know, top, you know, what five or eight quarterback play in the SEC, uh, with it, with whoever ends up being the starter with that kind of quarterback play. Like it's, it's another pretty good team.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think there's some potential. But a lot has to go right. Um, and But let's actually think through it. So uh, for, for Ole Miss to be number 13, what does the offense have to look like? And I don't mean like, I mean, obviously the answer is find a quarterback. But beyond that, like how does this offense, the way that we currently understand it to function, work for a number 13 team in the country?
1: I think the offensive line has to be really, really good. And they were for a lot of last year. Um, But, you know, Matt Corral also had to scramble quite a bit last year. You could blame that potentially on receivers even more than offensive line because there are just a lot of coverage sacks and coverage scrambles. Um, But if the offensive line is as dominant as they could be, that's a pretty great start because, you know, the running backs we have and the tempo offense, like could get in situations where we're just mowing teams down all the way down the field.
0: Yeah, I think offensively, uh, it the way that I see things working well <clears throat> is leaning on Zach Evans, leaning on Ulysses Bentley and Kendra Bullock and Gwenshan Judkins at running back, succeeding in that and feeding Michael Trigg a ton of targets, like let him you know, win the Mackey Award. Um, I, I think that's the key to success. I, I don't think that... It's realistic to ask for a high-flying, pass outside the numbers type of offense next year. Yeah. They
1: uh, agree.
0: Then, co- yeah. Then conversely, uh, defense. What do you think uh, the defense has to do to be able to to help Ole Miss get to live up to this
1: number thirteen ranking? I mean, I think looking at the schedule again. I think it sets up so favorably for Ole Miss unless teams come out of nowhere, which sometimes they do, you know, you never know if Mississippi state or, or Arkansas or LSU or Auburn could just be much better than anticipated. But if they're not, then the defense can be similar to the way it was last year, but they have the talent to be a good bit better than they were last year. They have more pass rushing options, more depth, um, probably a more solidified group of starters in the secondary, again, with some big quality depth that we didn't have last year. Um, I think they have the potential to, I mean, just have a much more consistent and maybe even a higher ceiling kind of season than they had last year. Yeah, Uh,
0: certainly the the defensive line depth is likely to be very different. I mean, Jared Ivey and JJ Pegues being added to a, a team that already had promising young players coupled with some experienced guys who maybe aren't quite as high-end talent, but have played a lot and, and shown that they're more than serviceable puts them in a, in a, in a cool spot. Um, <clears throat> I think that it mostly will come down to linebacker play on defense and Troy Brown was a good transfer to to get in. Uh of course, Kari Coleman is an intriguing prospect. We don't exactly know how he'll transition to linebacker, but you know, last year Mark Robinson and Chance Campbell who we just talked about were very much the soul of of the defense and you could see them getting everybody going and there's a huge hole there now uh, in that in that capacity. So if we see that those types of players step into that role and, and succeed, I think the defense could be definitely, it could be better than it was a year ago, which was already good. Uh, I, I think, I don't know what you think, but the defense is what the team is going to have to lean on. And uh, the offense is likely to be serviceable to good. The defense has a, the potential to be really great. And if they are, then this team is able to, to live up to that live up to that ranking possibly. But if they're not, I don't I don't see a situation where the offense is just steamrolling everybody and the defense is only marginal but is good enough to to get things done.
1: Yeah, I'd agree with that. But you know, again that thirteen ranking your projection, that could just be like uh Let's see who predicted it. Dennis Dodd. Yeah, Dennis Dodd. Yeah. And just saying, like, okay, they're my third team in the SEC West. Where is the number right. three team in the SEC West usually ranked? You know, so like, yeah. Oh, sure, yeah. The, yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: so yeah. Last thing we'll we'll do here before we close is uh, looking through the schedule. I was thinking this the other day, uh, looking through next season's schedule. Since everything starts off so easy. Uh, the schedule starts off so easy. If we, if Ole Miss is starting already at uh, number 13, things have potential to get preposterous before they get not preposterous. So what I mean by that is, you know, the first, so the first games are Troy, Central Arkansas, Georgia Tech, Tulsa. I think that if they lose to any of those, it'll be a horrible downer. And, a harbinger of of the of the season um so so almost definite four and oh kentucky in oxford for homecoming um that should be a win kentucky's much better than they are historically and and are a good team uh but if ole miss is the type of team we expect it to be at by that point then that should be a win so that's five and oh then vanderbilt six and oh auburn they're falling apart uh I I predict that to be a win. That's seven and zero. LSU the next season, the next week in Baton Rouge. Uh, you know, you never know. I mean, LSU will always have talent, so I guess they could come around. But let's say they don't. Eight wins to start the season, having already started the season as the number thirteen team in the country. Mm-hmm. How how high are we talking? Like, I I, I imagine we reach a point where. Uh, Mississippi State message boards are talking about how we're way overrated and uh, are fool's gold. And I, I would agree at that point. You know, I mean, I, I could yeah. see suddenly Ole Miss is number three because they haven't yeah. played good teams
1: yeah especially and then, if A&M or Alabama or Georgia trips up at some point even if it's against another really great team like yeah exactly. an undefeated Ole Miss team might pass them which is <laughs> silly, but. yeah yeah um okay well yeah I just
0: uh just ruminate on that thanks everybody for joining us and uh we'll we'll come back to you next week